Ezra, chapter five, verses 11 through 15. This is then the answer that they gave us. We are the servants of God of heaven and earth and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago. One that a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our ancestors angered the God of heaven and he gave them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldean king of Babylon who destroyed this temple and deported the people to Babylon. However, In the first year of Cyrus, the king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to rebuild this house of God. He even removed from the temple of Babylon the gold and the silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple of Jerusalem and brought to the temple in Babylon. And then King Cyrus gave them to a man named Sheshbazar, whom he appointed governor, and he told him, take these articles and go and deposit them in the temple in Jerusalem and rebuild the house of God on its site. Church, pray with me. Lord, would you take this living word? Would you ignite our hearts afresh? Would you open our ears and our eyes to understand how this ancient word connects with us through your Holy Spirit as you anoint Pastor Matthew to bring a sensitivity to our hearts of how we connect our faith and live it out in the midst of LA. We love you and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Have you heard this phrase, think outside the box, right? And what we are trying to do here is think outside the building. If you were not here last week, you missed a very important vision casting which might change the DNA of what we consider as church here at Lake Avenue Church and hopefully beyond our walls. We had 533 people texted during the service to different numbers, and we assumed that the couples didn't text. Uh, Only one of them texted. So that was pretty much all of you, I believe. And then we also had other registration through our online uh, missional communities, lakeab.org backslash MC for missional communities. And then there is a table outside. When you walk outside, there are people signed up through uh, paper forms too. Um, our Jeff Ross is championing this movement, and I just want you to listen. I just want you to be involved in this because I don't want to be in a box church where we all come here to watch a show. I'm not a performer, and I just want to get to know you. I just want to do life with you. Otherwise, this is just another Los Angeles Tinseltown gimmick. If you don't do life together, if you don't know each other, if you don't live out our faith in community, if you don't activate what we learn from here, 
then we are not a church. So it is very important for us to realize that. We started this new series called Return and Rebuild, and we are going through the book of Ezra, and uh, we learned that there are two temples, and the first temple of Jerusalem was built by this great king Solomon, the mighty, the mighty celebrity king who built a mega church uh, with, with, a, uh, with all its grandeur and a spectacular building. But then it was taken down by the enemies. Nebuchadnezzar is the main guy, but then there is this Chaldeans or Babylonians. They came and destroyed the building. Then after 70 years of captivity, God issues another call for them to return and rebuild the temple. But we saw last week, rebuilding is a very different process. We are not rebuilding the same mega temple anymore, but it is a different kind of temple. The difference between the first temple and the second temple is very, very significant. We learned two of them last week. And one thing, as I said again, the first temple was built by a king. It is based on the name of the power of a personality and his wealth and his gift and his talent. And, and that's what built the first temple. But the second temple was built by people who are prophets and the leaders were prophets and priests. And we, we also learn that a prophet in a contemporary context really mean that somebody who speaks to people on behalf of God and a priest is somebody who speaks to God on behalf of people. And these are two ministries we are called to do. Speak to people on behalf of God is preaching the word or evangelism, sharing the good news with others, sharing the scripture with others. In that sense, we are all called to be prophets, prophets of God. And then the ministry of the priest is again, is the ministry of prayer and the ministry of intercession, taking the needs of the people to God. And that is, a, that is not an optional ministry because we are called to be the royal priesthood according to the New Testament. So this is, these are the, these are the two, this is one big difference. And the second difference between the first temple and the second temple we saw, the first temple was built for a gathered community. Everybody in, Jer in, in Israel gathered at Solomon's temple. That was in some sense their identity. It was kind of, for the lack of better analogy right now, it's, it's like the twin tower. It is the, it is the identity. The building becomes a, a matter of identity, right? That was their identity. But the second temple was built for a gathered expression of the same community. Sorry, scattered expression of the same community. The first one was for scattered church, sorry, first one was for gathered church, and the second one was for scattered church. And we saw the evolution of what we call synagogue and all that, it was never commanded in the Torah, but still it evolved because there needed to be. Synagogues are technically the missional communities or the neighborhood communities that really dispersed 
uh, uh, dispensed this faith into, into, into different areas. So this is a, a significant difference between the first temple and the second temple that God has called us to build. We are now going to build the same temple again, a different kind of temple. But I, today I just wanted to take a few minutes to share about the third and I believe the most important distinction between the first temple and the second temple. Now for that, I want to ask you the question, do you remember why the temple was built anyway? Why was a temple built? Because God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. You cannot just confine him into a building. It doesn't matter how big a building you build, right? So do you remember the story, the Sunday school lessons as to why did David choose to build a building and a temple anyway? Where did that come from? Do you remember? Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's, it's basically to house a little box called the Ark of the Covenant. It's as silly as it sounds. So, almost a year into the Exodus journey, the famous Exodus journey, you remember, right? Last year, this time, we were studying that journey. Almost a year into the Exodus journey, God asked them to build as a little box called the Ark of the Covenant. It is essentially a wooden box completely plated by gold. And actually, I have a picture of this, you know. Yeah, so there, there is the picture. That is not the Ark of the Covenant. That is something I found in Amazon for $30. But I just, you just get an idea. <laughs> you just get an idea of what the Ark of the Covenant looked like, right? Again, it's a wooden box, completely gold-plated. The real uh, dimension will be roughly, for you to remember, around 50 inches long and around 30 inches, you know, height and width. So, so that, that's how it is. And it is carried with that, that, that two staves on the side. Whenever the Israelites traveled, they carried it. Whenever the cloud stopped, do you remember last year? Whenever the cloud stopped, they stopped and they put this... Ark of the Covenant in a place called Tabernacle, which was the kind of the first temple in, in a way, you know, the tent temple, right? And, uh, and, and it, we only see in the New Testament what was inside that Ark of the Covenant. And we had, uh, we had the, the tablets in which God wrote the commandments in the Ark of the Covenant. And we had a sample of manna which they received in the Ark of the Covenant. Then there is the rod of Aaron, the Aaron, the lightsaber, the Aaron carried. That was in the Ark of the Covenant. And there was a story behind it. So these, was the, these were the content of the Ark of the Covenant. And they carried it all the way. And finally, they reached the promised land. And they wanted to find a place to house this. And the main reason being... They believed that, not just that, they believed that God told them that the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, you remember that picture? There's, it has a lid with a completely gold, with two cherubim carved into, it, into that. And they believed that, that God's presence dwelt among that cherubs. That cherubim, that's where God came to speak to them. 
And they call it Shekinah, or the glory of God kind of emanated from that area. So it is such a divine, the ultimate holy place where God resided. And it, that's why it is also called Mercy seat or throne of grace and the different ways it is described. So that is a very important place. So you can see in the tabernacle when Solomon built the first temple, there was three divisions to the temple. I'm not going to go into the detail. There was a court of the Gentiles for ordinary people come and worship the Lord. Then there was a holy place inside which was meant only for the priests and the Levites. Then you go deep inside the third layer, the inner chamber was called the holy of holies. That's where this Ark of the Covenant was because the whole thing was built for the Ark of the Covenant to reside. And we can also see in many instances when, when they traveled around, you remember the famous story of the Jericho Wall? How it came down, right? Like they walked around seven times, they carried the Ark of the Covenant with them because they believed there is a magical power through the, in the sacred chest, right? And you can see there was an arch enemy of Israelites called Philistines actually uh, captured them one day and they took this, this Ark of the Covenant to Philistine, to, to their place. And then you can see the people were afflicted with tumors and they had to return that back because it was a holy object. And the story goes they kept it in their temple of their pagan god, god called Dagon, I believe. And next day when they went, the Dagon's idol kind of fell down right in front of this sacred church. So it had some kind of a magical power. And then when you, when you there's another story where, the, where this Ark of the Covenant was being transported into Jerusalem. On the way, a poor guy named Uzzah, I believe his name, and he thought that it's going to kind of slip and fall from the cart. So he immediately went and reached his hand to, to make sure that the ark is okay. And according to the scripture, he was struck dead by God. Because only the priests are allowed to touch it. I still don't understand that story. It is such a holy object. Usa dead right there. Then, then you see another place where this temple, this, this Ark of the Covenant was in somebody's house. They, until they built the temples, like a makeshift arrangement was made in, the, in a guy's name. Uh, I think his name is Obed Adam. And the Ark was there only for a few months and the Lord blessed him for keeping that Ark of the Covenant in his in his house. You see, the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant in some way represented the presence of God, the glory of God, the Shekinah, the dwelling of God. Now, an interesting thing about the second temple, as we read the scripture today, the whole idea of building the temple was initiated by a Persian king. He was not even a Jew. Cyrus the Great said, let's build the temple back for the Jews. Yeah, and then what did he do? He gave all the articles he took from the temple, but not he took, the Babylonian king who was the real bad guy, the villain, who took all that, all the possessions from the temple, 
And what Cyrus did was he took all that from him. Finally, he captured, he is the emperor now. He returned all of these things, all of the articles he possessed to, to the Jewish people so that they can build a temple. And some, he even gave them more money. For some reason, he was so um, um, empathetic for their plight in a way, right? But here is the thing though. In the second temple, the Ark of the Covenant was missing. The Ark of the Covenant was not seen after the first temple. Even I didn't realize that. I've studied the story many times. But the Ark of the Covenant, after the destruction of the first temple by Nebuchadnezzar, the Ark of the Covenant is missing. Nobody has seen that after, seen the Ark after the first temple. So some people believe that maybe Cyrus or the Babylonians took it and they didn't want to re return it. Very unlikely, because if Philistines had a bad day with it, I don't think that any other king would want to possess it. It is not that expensive compared to many other articles in the, in the temple. And also, as you can see, Cyrus is the one who initiated this Persian king who gave all of this thing to the Jewish people and he even gave them additional funding, then I don't think that he would intentionally keep the most important thing from their temple, actually for which the whole temple was built. So there are a lot of theories about what happened to this Ark of the Covenant. And the popular understanding is that the Jewish people, some of the Jewish leaders, decided to hide it even before the Babylonians came and took it over because they had a suspicion they are going to lose the Ark of the Covenant, so they, they hid it somewhere. Now, whoever hid it <laughs> disappeared from this planet, so nobody really knows where the Ark of the Covenant really is. It is a mythology, which even tickled the fantasy of Hollywood. And you probably know the, the you know, one thing I can, you know, we had Star Wars already. And Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, right? And the whole story is around, I remember watching this movie as a middle school student back in India. I didn't understand what was the Ark and I didn't know the significance. But the whole story of Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, is that the people who are trying to discover, and according to the story of Indiana Jones, and it was discovered in Egypt, but it was all, it's all fantasy. Nobody has seen this Ark ever since the first temple. And we see this only in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 11, 9 says, the Ark of the Covenant was in the temple. Revelation 11, 9 says, the Ark of the Covenant was in the temple. So, so only in the book of Revelation, the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant appears. So it is technically not disappeared. It is somewhere there. And God is going to redeem in the apocalyptic kingdom, in the eternal kingdom, he is going to redeem that. Now, why am I saying all of this? It almost looks like a Bible study. The reason is, in the second temple, the second temple is created with the new understanding of not having the most important thing right in the 
epicenter of that or, or the middle of that building. The, first, the second temple was built only with the altar, not with the ark. So the assumption is the ark is hidden somewhere in the neighborhood. Now that is a very important point for you to remember. The temple is meant not for the ark. The temple is meant for the altar. Yesterday we saw they are celebrating the building of the altar. They didn't even build the temple. Before that, they started celebrating, coming together as one man. Because the altar, when you come to Lake Avenue Church, according to our new model, if I can show you that picture again, or I show you last week, the new model of Lake Avenue Church, the way we are going to rebuild the temple, is going to be right in the middle. Marcy, can you go to that? Yes. What happened? Yes, there you go. So, this was the second temple. In the second temple, at the, the right at the center of the building was an altar where you offer yourself to God. When you empty yourselves in God's presence, He will fill you up. You will get charged. But then you go into your neighborhood. That's where the presence of God resides. That is where the ark is hidden. And our job is to uncover the ark that is hidden in Arcadia or Burbank or Alhambra. Wherever that is, we don't know. Also, the reality is that it is hidden everywhere. It is hidden everywhere. So this is a complete paradigm shift between the first temple and the second temple. They are not going there to worship a sacred object which is right in the middle and all eyes are glued to the pulpit. No, that's not how the second temple was built. They came there to offer themselves as a living sacrifice according to Romans chapter 12. You give yourself to God. The sacrifice is what's happening in the second temple. But the presence of God is not confined in that building. Now that is the call the Lord is issuing for us who are going to build the second temple. See, we come to the temple to offer ourselves on the altar, but then we carry God's presence into our neighborhood. We carry the ark of God's presence into the neighborhood. Now that is a completely different model to which God is calling us. See, even when you look at that ark of the covenant, you can see the whole idea of having that ark, even when it was resting in the temple, it still had that four rings and the staves and the law the word of god clearly commands that the rings and the staves has to be still placed on the ark of the covenant which really means that even when you build a magnificent temple that doesn't mean the ark of the covenant is meant to be stationary the ark of the covenant is fundamentally by design to be mobile it is something we need to carry all the time. So, as we enter this new, re new season, I challenge us to think church differently. 
I encourage us to think about this building differently. And I urge you to reconsider your understanding of neighborhood differently. See, I know we are very proud of our DNA in global mission, the way we support our missionaries, which is fantastic. We'll continue to do that. But I want you to remember that in this season, you are all international staff or missionaries because Pasadena is not the same anymore. Arcadia is not the same anymore. These people who our missionaries went to reach out to, they are coming right here. And it is important for us to make God's Shekinah visible for them. It is important for us to uncover the ark that is hidden in our own neighborhood. And, I'm, and, and we are doing a lot of research to make that happen. I'm going to quickly run through a report we did. During COVID, I, did, uh, uh, I partnered with um, uh, a Fuller student and created this report. We went and studied different neighborhoods, around 10 to 12 neighborhoods in our area. And these are some of the pictures, as you can see. Um, you know, these are, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to make it available to you. These are scientific studies we did about the demographics, about the ethnicity, about the income status. And these are some of the, uh, some of the prospective partners who are local churches in this area, local schools in this area, and local not-for-profit organizations in this area so that we can reach out to them in a customized way. We understand, understanding our neighborhood is pivotal to unraveling the ark which is hidden in that place. So we have all the statistics of all the neighborhoods. I have a 70-page report ready to be revealed to you. So I'm going to put that picture one more time. Pastor Beth Pass encourage us to. The neighborhood communities, if you haven't signed up and Try to identify where you will fit in and text that number. And if you have difficulty texting that number, go to our website. Or if you are not an online person, go to our friend and there are missional community leaders there to help you. It is so important for you to be part of this movement of carrying the ark and building the second temple God is calling us to do. And when you, and I, I know, we, have, you, we already have a significant number of people reach out to us, and we are going to come back to you with some of the information. I'm also going to provide a link with that email when I write back to you to access this report we did so that you can all have, have, a, have a look at that report. You can understand your own neighborhood better, your neighbors better, your prospective collaborators better, because this is serious business. We are not just doing some wishy-washy pie in the sky, just some kind of faith, just only a faith-operated movement. We are trying to, to put our energy, skills, and time, and talent, and resources into it. So that is my encouragement to you. Before we close in prayer, I want to share one last story with you. Worship team, you're, you're welcome to come and join us. You know, um, I had the privilege to be mentored by uh, this incredible writer, most of you know, Philip Yancey, and he shared the story. I think he wrote, about the, he wrote the story too, but I, I got to hear that story from his mouth. 
There was this lady named Joanna in South Africa, apartheid, right after the apartheid collapsed. And there were a lot of civil unrest in South Africa. And there were a lot of crimes and atrocities happening even at that time. So this lady named Joanna took it on upon herself to do a prison ministry to the most notorious, at the most notorious prisons in South Africa. So she went there and she started doing small groups. She started doing a chapel for these prisoners. And there was an immediate transformation of people. So according to statistics, before Joanna came, the, the year Joanna went there to do prison ministry, the recorded cases of violence in that prison, recorded cases of violence in that prison was 279 a year in the prison. And the year after Joanna started the ministry, the number of recorded cases were two, 279 to two. So Philip asked her, how did you do it? This is amazing. What kind of change? How did you do this in, in, in the most notorious prison? So Joanna said, oh, Philip, it was very easy. God was already present in this prison. All I had to do was to make him visible. And I thought that story encapsulated everything for me. See, God is already present in our neighborhood. God is already present in Skid Row. God is already present even in the filthiest, darkest corners of Hollywood. All we need to do is to make his presence visible. Uncover the ark which is already hidden there. Carry the ark. So I'm sending you like Spielberg sent Indiana Jones. As raiders of the lost ark, go and find this ark. Go and disclose it. Go and dispense this beautiful good news of community and the sacrifice that has taken place once for all and for, for all individually in our own life on an everyday basis to others so that they can enjoy and experience. Again, we don't want, we don't care whether they come to the church and do another mega church. That's not the point. The point is just to make the presence of God visible. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the charge of missional communities. Thank you for building a different temple. Our new generation is tired of the old temples. Our conceptualization, the organizational, the institutional church structures are all collapsing. So we just want to take this cue from you. We want to lesson the most important lesson that COVID has taught us to be agile and to be nimble and to move with the Holy Spirit, to experience murmuration, not just here at 393 North Lake Avenue, but also in our neighborhood. In Jesus' name.